Welcome to The Form Guide, inspiring conversations about our mental health and well-being. This week, we're chatting to Rachel Reese, founder and CEO of Global Butterflies, and we're going to be talking about mental health and identity. Enjoy. So, Rachel Reese, welcome to the Form Guide. Great to see you. Thank you for joining us. You're very welcome, Rob. Lovely to see you too. Um, so that was Wham. You a Wham fan? I was a yeah, very much so. Uh, I'm a child of the '80s, so very much. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm putting together a kind of playlist of '80s tracks for the Form Guide season one, um, and I'm going to kind of do a little DJ mix of them when we're uh, when we're ready to go uh, with enough guests. So uh, we're almost there. I think this is the this is the twelfth um, the twelfth show now. So. Um, yeah, that was a bit of wham. So I look forward to putting that one together. So um, good morning to you. Good morning to Christopher on the on the live on LinkedIn. Good to see all that's working. So this is the form guide: inspiring conversations about our mental health um, and well-being. Um, so Rachel, we're going to uh, start with the question that I'm sure you're uh, ready for me to ask you, which is, how are you today? I'm okay. I'm a six out of ten today. Um, as you know, my my big issue is sleep. I uh, didn't get a wonderful amount of sleep last night. So although I'm okay, it's just it does affect. It will affect my mood and the way I run through my day today. I'll have to be very aware of it. Yeah, I mean, sleep's a big one, isn't it? It's a, it's a it's a really big one. And um, what 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 sort of things do you do to um, you know kind of try and get good sleep? You know, what's your routine, Rachel? Uh, well, I've um, well, I've been through, I've had so much sleep coaches. I've had, you know, it's not like the sleep hygiene, the sleep hygiene rules won't work. So, you know, television out of your room and lavender and keep your bedroom cool. None of that works. You have to build it into your day. And so for me, it's getting sunlight, uh, walking in the sun, exercise, um, balance, some fun uh, and rest. And so if I don't feel like I can work, I don't work, I'll go and do something else um, because the work won't be very good quality. So I tend to try and balance out how I'm going to be over the next day. Um, and yeah, it, it, yeah, it comes together with just trying to balance out. I mean, sometimes I'll sleep really well, sometimes I won't, and I'll just accommodate my day to that. I usually start all my workshops or my training after 10 so I can lie in a little bit if I've had a terrible night. So, yeah, that's good. I mean, it's that kind of self-awareness, isn't it? And, you know, I like that you, know, you structure your working day to accommodate your well-being. And I think, you know, we talk a lot about being intentional about well-being. And I think that's that's a good example of intent in action. Um, mm. So, uh, yeah, I'm an eight out of ten, as you can see today. Very good form. Um, I've been sort of plateauing, I think, at a, at a seven. And I think I've just mm. felt really connected to take on my family in the last day or so. Um, lots of uh, really busy work-wise as normal, but lots of good stuff happening, and that's given me a boost. Um, but I was doing a bit of recording this morning outside in nature, um, just doing a few bite-sized uh, recordings on kind of the drivers of formal well-being, and it's just great to get out there early in the morning. You know, the sun's coming up, the birds were chirping, and it just kind of puts you in a good mood, right? Yes, it does. Now the sun comes out you know everybody just cheers up a little bit and I, I don't know why just you know we'll talk about this later but a lot of the anger against the trans community in the UK it feels a little bit lighter now the sun's out you know it doesn't feel so bad because I'm we're outside yeah. and people are less time on social media being angry and, and more out in the sunshine doing more positive things yeah and I think we're, we're noticing that in, in the data that we're uh, collecting in um you know the form score um app is the the weather is uh, being a real positive driver of people's form right now um mm. and um yeah i mean it's obvious really but as as the, the 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 weather turns and we can get outside and the world opens up a little bit it's going to going to give us a boost isn't it it is indeed yeah um i mean everybody's we emma and i are taking we haven't had a proper holiday in a year we're taking next week off and we are planning lots of days out with no social media, um, we're all walking, uh, dining out in pub restaurants, which we haven't done for a long time. Uh, so lots of little outing. I'm building a flight simulator in my shed at the moment. So there'll be, there'll be lots of wiring and um, so lots of activity that isn't based to do with the business, not to do with social media. Um, just 
disconnecting yeah. a little bit. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. And we both yeah, are. Yeah, disconnecting is important. Now, I definitely want to hear about the flight simulator. But before I ask you about that, <laughs> um, di disconnecting is important. I noticed that um, you know, we're, we're both pretty prolific on, on LinkedIn. We put a lot out there. We get a lot back. You, you would, you would yeah. get a lot of more challenging stuff back in what you do. And we will talk about that. But I, I sort of took some time off last week and I I've kind of was off LinkedIn deliberately. And actually, I'm working this week full on, but I'm, I'm not posting. And I, I think sometimes if we give ourselves that break from the, the the pressure we put on ourselves to put our stuff out there as campaigners, I think it's, it's yeah. just it's just recharging on a different level, isn't it? It really is. Uh, there is a consequence. And I'd be interested if there's any social media experts out there, because our company's on Twitter as well. And that's the most toxic place to be as a company, as a person. And that's where we get most hate. Whereas LinkedIn, I find a little bit more professional because you can choose who's following and connecting with you. Yeah. Um, and I find LinkedIn a little bit more nourishing than, you know, we, we got rid of our Facebook page. We're on, we're on Twitter, but we're really thinking about not being on that side. Yeah, and, I, I think that's really yeah. interesting. And, and, you know, you, you sort of, I, I guess, from a social media strategy perspective, you need to be on Twitter because it's a platform. Yeah, yeah. However, I think Twitter as, uh, as a medium for mental health is not good. So for that reason, I avoid it. Um, and yeah. I'm probably missing out on opportunities because of that. And, and as I develop yeah. form score as a brand, I'll probably need somebody that looks after that. But I, I just can't yes. put myself yes. out there on Twitter with the negativity, the hate and and they're just how people think they can behave that they would never behave like that in real life yeah absolutely and you do find a lot of the the gender critical critics are never using their own name they're always hideous accounts with horrible slogans on them whereas the lgbt activists tend to be using our own names and so we take all the hits and we have we get we can't get any of the punches and everybody's shouting and nobody's listening. Yeah. That's the other problem with Twitter. Everybody's so. shouting and nobody's listening. Absolutely. We could probably spend, yeah. you know, the whole 45 minutes, <laughs> you know, talking about social um, and, yes. and not, not get into the stuff that we need to get into. Yeah, so great to see uh, people on the live. Derek, thanks for your contribution. Uh, Emma, thank you for joining us. Um, and Sarah, always lovely to see you too. So you are the CEO of Global Butterflies. Um, what yeah. a fabulous name. Um, and, and you know I'm a big fan, but you know, I think it is the best company name in the world, full stop. Um, so before we get into it, tell me, how did that name come about? I've never asked you that before. Yeah, so for me, it's about awakening, about change, about being your authentic self. And you go through this metamorphosis into being your authentic self if you are able to, because I'm obviously in lots of organic countries. And even now in the UK, people aren't able to express their true gender identity safely. Um, but it is, it is a change. You, you become, you know, from the caterpillar to the beautiful butterfly, the person who you are. And it's for us, we are a global company. We work in lots of other countries. And it's a global issue. Um, trans rights are challenged in every country. Um, it's not great anywhere, really. There are better countries than others. But um, so we, it, it's kind of like the change, the positive change and the global um, um, challenges that the trans and non-binary community have. And so that was how it came out when I, I, love it. When I first started. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I absolutely love it. And I think um, hearing you explain the thinking behind it is, is, is wonderful. That transformation from the, the caterpillar into the amazing, uh, the amazing butterfly. So, uh, yeah, more power to you on that one. Um, so before we find out a bit more about what you do as a company and hear some of your, your journey and your story, Rachel, um, we've got the quick fire round. Um, and oh, yeah, this is nothing is. you can prepare for. No, yeah, no, no, no pressure, whatever comes into your head. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Get yourself ready. Um, if mental health were a, what would it be? Okay. So if mental health were an animal, Rachel, what would it be for you? Hedgehog. Lovable, but spiky. <laughs> Lovable, but spiky. Which is a bit like our mental health, isn't it? It is. It is. You, it becomes like an old friend yeah. that you're familiar with, but it, it, it has its challenges. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sort of soft on the inside, spiky on the outside. Um, I quite like the idea of the hedgehog, you know, that protective ball as well. Sometimes we've got to yeah. sort of you know, encapsulate ourselves. They're very good, yeah. very good. Mm -hmm. So if mental health were a colour, what would it be? Oh, I think it would be grey. Okay, why grey? Well, it can be because you can be, it can be light and it can be dark. Um, yeah. uh, me it's a navigation of the between uh, the gray i'm uh, you know a dark gray light gray it's never perfect either it's never 100 percent dark it's never 100 percent light 
but for me it's I, i'm moving around in that shade those shades of gray in the yeah. middle towards the light hopefully yeah I, I like that and i think in in my keynotes i often say mental health is not black or white it's not binary it's not well or ill it no. is um I, I i like to say shades of gray which i agree with and then i then i talk about the beautiful explosion of of color because we use color yeah. with with form score to represent each different yeah. score but i agree yeah. with you i think thinking of our mental health in shades of gray on that continuum uh, uh super important Okay, these are good. Are you good at this? You know, you, you're a bit reticent, but you're, you're really good at this. Um, oh, yeah. um, so uh, some good uh, comments from Simone on the chat, loving the hedgehog um, and the different greens she feels inspired by your shirt colour, uh, Rachel. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm urban hair. Green's anything that goes with my Irish skin. So <laughs> Brilliant. I always wear green when I present. Well, of course, green is um, you know, traditionally associated with mental health awareness with the Green Ribbon and the Mental Health mm -hmm. Awareness Week and the, the buildings being lit up. So green is good. Thank you, Simone. Um, OK, so if mental health were a food, Rachel, what would it be for you? Oh, oh for me, yeah. Oh. Parsnips. <laughs> I was not expecting that. I was not yeah. expecting parsnips. Why yeah. parsnips? Well, because I don't like parsnips, but I eat them. <laughs> um, <laughs> my partner, Emma, has brought me a butternut squash and parsnips. I don't like. I've never liked them. I, they're the worst thing on Christmas Day. But Emma does this thing where she put, puts them in the oven and she crisps yeah. them. And actually, I really like them like that. So it, for me, it's another variance that I, you know, there are lots of times I don't like parsnips and butternut, butternut, not butternut squash but I can eat it in certain circumstances. And it's a bit like my mental health. I can days are days where I can handle it, cope with it, live with it. And there are days where I go, Oh, I can't do this anymore. Not today. Brilliant. Um, yeah. So yeah, you, you have surprised me. I did not expect <laughs> to hear you a utter the word parsnip or be answer the question that way. Yeah. But I think, you know, I'm with you on that. If you've got you know, those honey glazed parsnips that are nicely crisped up and there's the sweetness, yeah. Um, you yeah. know, it's a sort of, it's again, a transformational of the, um, you know of, of the vegetable so okay the mental health parsnip that's uh yeah i'm, I'm almost sort of spelt yeah speechless around it um so if mental health were a song what would it be for you um oh i suppose it would be perfect day yeah um it's a perfect yeah. day great um, great song. But for me, it's a series of events for yeah. me and some will be some will be bad but what you're hoping for is a perfect day um and, and i can have some terrible things go wrong in my day but something you know my day always finishes with emma and i hugging on the settee um and that it always makes everything all right yeah. so it is that whatever's happened i can usually balance it i love that i love that um, great, you know, great choice, and a, and a perfect day will have you know lots of different aspects to it. But yeah, I love that that image of ending up, you know, with with a nice cuddle. Um, you know, yeah, always. yeah, very good, very good. Okay, I'm liking this. If mental health were a holiday destination, where would it be? Oh, that's it. so that I would say that was the United States yeah. because for me, we, Emma and I have been many times. I've been many times to the states, and it's been good and it's been bad and it depends on which state you go to it depends on the government it depends on and so so many factors and again it's like my life it, it, you know I have good and bad and and I never know, quite know what it's going to be a trip to the states is going to be like um you know our last trip to New York Emma and I went it was a bit bumpy we weren't treated very well but the time before that it was magical yeah. um and it's those unknowns and so I think the states is a it's it is you know it really is a, a country of conflict of, of confliction yeah and, uh, yeah so, absolutely uh, yeah kind of you know if you think of that range whatever whatever is possible of getting you can get in the states can't you um and you yeah. can be treated that way for sure um okay last one if mental health were a sound rachel what sort of sound would it be tinnitus <laughs> you are surprising me today this is brilliant i know why i know well, because I have tinnitus yeah. and you have a sleep disorder, which I do, yeah. tinnitus is your enemy, but it's like an old friend now because I've had tinnitus for a long time and I've had a lot of treatment. It, you know, it, when I was having my, when I had my complete collapse, mental collapse, during the recovery, tinnitus started in my ear and I, and I had a relapse because I was trying to sleep. I was on medication, trying to get through all that, um, having counseling. And then the tinnitus started. Yeah. And it was screaming and it was loud. And I thought, I can, I'm never going to be able to sleep. And I had a panic attack and I might relapse everything. 
And now it's like an old friend. It's always there. And in a way, I kind of listen out for it to find it. Where, where's that? Where's the noise? Ah, oh, there it is. Yeah. Yeah, and so for me, it doesn't it doesn't bother me, it never keep me awake, but I have to, it's almost like I, I rely on it being there. Yeah. It's a bit like a party sometimes. I've got two, I've got the high whistle and I've got a rumble. And if I it's like a party going on in my ear. If I don't hear that, it just feels like I've lost something. <laughs> Very yeah, you've you've surprised yeah. me a lot. So what I like to try and do is piece all of these together, which you, you've created a big challenge for me here. Wow. But so this is the image that's coming to mind. You know, you and Emma uh, are in in the States, you know. In a kind of open topped car, you know, kind of headscarves on, you know, you're driving, you know, down the highway, like in a road trip type scenario. We've got perfect day, but blaring out of the stereo, which is overcoming the, the sound of tinnitus. Um, yeah. you, you've you've stopped for lunch and for some reason you've had the best parsnips in the world <laughs> along this and, and as you're eating those parsnips you know you, you just see this family of hedgehogs just you know kind of doing their thing you know off in the, yeah. the, the wilderness um, so uh, and, and you know you've got this amazing grey sky that you can see all of the shades of grey going on that America represents so that's my attempt at that one um, um, my, my uh, colleague Harari who sometimes I get to kind of create a digital asset of these scenes is probably quaking in her boots right now so let us know what you're thinking <laughs> on the chat hurrah i'm probably not going to try and get you to make that one up but maybe maybe um brilliant such a great quick fire round so uh, everybody on the live let me know what you think you know if you've uh, got a, a a sound or a color or an animal for uh, representing mental health do let us know keen to hear what yours are so Rachel, we're going to get into it. We're broadly going to talk a bit about identity, a bit about mental health, a bit about your journey um, and, and how mental health specifically affects the, the trans community, as it affects us all, yeah. but some of the specific issues. Um, so we've talked about your amazing company name, Global Butterflies. Tell us what you do as a business to start with, please. Yeah, so uh, Global Butterflies, I've worked, I le worked in the legal profession for quite a long time. Um, I trained as a solicitor, but I didn't qualify. I didn't go, I couldn't get a job as a trans woman as a, as a, as a solicitor. So I worked in the um, legal education at the University of Law for 15 years, and I transitioned there and worked my way out to their operations director. But the legal sector for trans people and non-binary people is not, wasn't great. So in 2015, I, when I left the University of Law, I decided to set up an inclusion company. I wasn't quite sure what that was going to be, uh, but I started doing sort of trans 101 talks, um, non-binary 101 talks in law firms um, with the regular society regulators. And I, we teach it in a sort of non-judgmental, funny way. We demystify, um, we use a lot of humor to get outlet, outlet and companies get close. And that's our unique selling point. We don't bombard you with language and make, because that's what people think it all is about. It's all about respect and dealing with that person that's in front yeah. of you. And it started in the legal sector. We started training HR teams, senior leaders, frontline staff, policies, healthcare, you name, if you name it, if it's trans and non-binary in a corporate workspace, then we do it. And it started in the legal sector. Emma joined my business three years ago and brought in banking and insurance um, and we started working in advertising and media and broadcasting and anything that's a, a big, wieldy, co complicated company, that's where we thrive because we've all worked in yeah. big, complicated companies. And we help organizations to be respectful, to recruit, to look after, promote, provide healthcare for trans and non-binary people. And we're in our sixth year Fantastic. now. Fantastic. Yeah, congratulations on, on, on all you do. And I'm, I'm keen to understand... Oh. You know an example of how you might use humor as part of that that training can you can you sort of give us an anecdote or an example of where humor would, oh. would come in well we just try to uh, it, it's it's a bit more gallows humor yeah. really so talk about the day in the life of a trans person in london you know on the tube somebody nudging and pointing at you because they can read you they can see that you're trans then you walk into reception and a security guard nudges and goes look look and then you sit in reception and two receptionists send messages to each other now i always say you know we've got trans people have got cold war radar system we know where this is the you see when we walk into a reception we know where the exits are we know who's okay with this we know where everybody's standing and we use our secret weapon ears we can hear somebody laughing we can hear some we can see somebody actually pointing with these these, these yeah. eyes terribly popular and this is how we, we present it we kind of just talk about this stuff in humorous ways to say look we, you know we're not stupid we are we are very aware of what's going around around us 
you know, even when we stand in reception and, and the person in front of you is really respectful, the person that they're talking to, Rachel Reese is here. What, you mean the tranny? Yes, that's right, Rachel Reese is here. You know, you hear that where you're, and we, we give those examples using, yeah, we're, we're, we're joking about it. So the huge, because we don't want the delegates to feel threatened. We do show a lot of transphobic videos and things, and, but we're trying to let them in, come towards the material Otherwise, because when an organizer comes, they go, oh, it's all about, I don't understand all the terms. I don't understand all the pronouns. I can't get near this subject. And what we do is spend a lot of time demystifying that, making it, making it very easy for people to approach. We're using the only, their own language. Uh, we don't judge them on mistakes. We let them, wherever they are on their journey, get into the subject. They'll let the language and the pronouns and all the stuff that they need to know, that comes later. Yeah. Let's get them into yeah. the subject first. It's really interesting, isn't it, language? And I think we, we see this on the broader mm. mental health agenda that people are, are fearful or sometimes campaigners will hold people to account for saying the wrong thing. Yes. And, and I remember hearing John Flint speak, who I've got to know a bit, John Flint, the previous CEO of HSBC. And at, a, at, a, at, a, at an event, he said, don't judge us if we get the language wrong um, because we're trying to make positive change here. Um, yeah. you know, we're not experts in, 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 in mental health as CEOs and leaders, but if, if we do get the language wrong from a good place, then we, we want to learn and be educated. And I guess that, that links with your philosophy. Really important. It's really important. You've got to let people make mistakes and people do make mistakes. They're humans, not robots. Yeah. And so we, if you stamp all over an ally because they get your pronoun wrong or, or get your name wrong or something, you know, it's unfortunate. They should apologize, but you shouldn't stamp all over them because you just like, you lose an ally. Um, and uh, people do make they've got to be able to come towards it and learn and they'll get better like in every subject in you. yeah so yeah absolutely I, I also love this you know this idea of the you know the cold war radar I mean it's yeah you're human right we're all human and it's it's very easy to tune in when people are talking about you and yeah. what what is it about trans and people that are uh, of, of transition that that it, it, uh, I guess results in others being, you know, feeling the need to do that and feeling the need to point this out. What, what, why, why do you think that is the case? You mean why, why people are critical of trans? Yeah, people? not even critical. Why, why, why would, why would a security guard in that context, that example, need to nudge his, nudge his mate and say, hey, look well, at, look at that person over there. There's so many reasons for it. I mean, originally when I transitioned 20 years ago, it was because we weren't as visible and and people didn't run across it yeah. as often. Uh, and so it was it was salacious gossip in an organization it would always pass down and everyone would always know um you can't always pass i mean people know that i'm trans i don't my voice isn't very good i'm quite you know I'm, i did look really good when i was younger but i'm in my 50s now and i think the fact is that you know even today i think today people are more aware of it but actually the hostility towards the trans community in the uk has got so bad that actually now people feel they can point you out and say things to you on social media and on the street and have no comeback on that um so it's got a lot worse and i think that's and it doesn't fit into their universe people like people like two genders that's it you know non-binary is a beautiful rainbow of identity between the two binary genders and a lot of gen z identifies non-binary but people don't like there's our generation and the generation slightly below us don't like that it doesn't fit in a lot not everybody we have some fantastic allies and people and a lot of people are accepting but there are there's a hardcore people who just don't gender is two there are two genders and in fact uh the gender critical movement would say gender doesn't exist it's sex binary sex right. that's assigned a birth that's all there is yeah. there are two sexes that's what there is and that's that's the whole rise of the whole and the gender critical movement in the united kingdom and america right and, and i mean again it's, it's back to that that shades of gray in the continuum we were talking about you're talking about the the rainbow of color um uh, you, yes. why do we why do you think we need to think in such a binary way in such a black and white way well, I, I have a, you know, I have a theory that we didn't used to be like that. I think that um, I listened to a, a psychologist on Radio 4 a long time ago who said that social media was wiring our brains. Um, everybody picks their phone up every 15, every 15 seconds um, and, and looks at, and social media has wired us to two outcomes. If you look in America, the GOP and the Democrats, yeah. There's no middle ground. There's no reaching across the aisle. You're seeing it here with Labour and the Conservatives. They're further apart than they've ever been. They're not reaching across the aisle. Brexit in or out. Trump, like him, hated yeah. him. I hated him. Um, I, the whole thing is that there's only two answers for everything. 
there's no and if you don't agree with my answer then i'm not going to like you anymore and i'm going to start shouting at you that's social media seems to have wired our brains into this binary world yeah it's really it's really interesting i've just finished listening to barack obama's book um which which is brilliant but he talks about that polarization quite a lot and and the fact that actually if you hold hold a different view that is then see resulting in anger against the view it's it's almost like we're not not entitled to our views anymore if we don't agree with somebody absolutely and it's just got very toxic on media and and with trans rights which is affecting our lives people have these polarized views there doesn't seem to be any middle ground there is some middle ground on all all subjects but there's you can't as i said everybody's shouting on social media so you can't have that conversation there um and it's you need a will and i don't think that will is there it's easy just to take a a binary view and just stand in that corner with everybody else shouting about it yeah absolutely um i want to come back to this it's really it's really interesting um keen to hear a bit more about your story um rachel and i've I've heard your powerful story before but um you know and i think where we look at the intersection of mental health with any aspects of identity there's a there's a there's the bit that we're just getting into and talking around about how you're treated um Mm. but i think there's also a little bit around you know that transition and that journey you've been on isn't there and i'm keen to understand you know a bit more about that and your your perspective if you don't mind yeah of course i mean my i've always thought i was indestructible um you know i in the 80s i was a software engineer in the defense industry and uh, i'm really old Uh, and uh you know i sponsored student um software engineering i worked on tornado aircraft and submarine detection equipment in the, in the military and and then went into hr later and i always thought i was pretty indestructible i you know did a lot of travel um and then i transitioned and survived that and london you know london in the 90s was people were dying of aids um drug overdoses a lot of my friends were working on the game as prostitutes and i you know i survived all that you know not many of us made it through from then today you know we're still there's a few handful of us that are still about that are friends and we so I thought pretty good I you know nothing I'm indestructible and that's how I saw myself until about 2012 and a lot of things were happening at that point you know I was going to on a big trip to Ireland which was the catalyst I hadn't been my family in Irish hadn't seen me as Rachel (laughs) even though I transitioned a long time before I just hadn't been to Ireland for years I was taking my mum and dad over my dad had started we realized he just got dementia so we was a lot of sudden there was a lot of care with him I was doing, I was operation, doing an operations job at the University of Law, so I'm learning lots of hours. And I bought this flat, brand new flat, put all my resources into a flat with, and realized that it was not very soundproof. And I had a, a, a banker upstairs who was up 24 seven, banging on the ceiling. So I took sleeping tablets for eight or nine weeks. And then I went to Ireland without them. Right. And then I didn't, suddenly couldn't sleep. And uh, I, I, I drove all the way to Fishguard and then all the way down to Southern Ireland in a day exhausted and I wasn't sleeping and I wasn't sleeping and I wasn't sleeping about day four I wasn't eating uh um my one of my cousins gave me a Valium to knock me out and um it didn't work what happened I had a panic attack and started um shaking on the floor uncontrollably um it was really scary I realized uh, um so the GP was called and he knocked me out he injected me with some sort of demazepam um injection and I knocked me out for 24 hours and when I woke up I suddenly had this phobia that I couldn't be tired. Right. Uh, I could sleep, but I'm. I, but I. I could get to sleep, sort of. Uh, and I came back to. I came back to England. I was off work for about three months. Um, suddenly, I was on citalopram, pregabalin, sleeping pills, demazepam, and it was. I need to sleep because I have all this stuff going on in my life, and if I don't sleep, I'm not going to panic. And I constantly panicked, and it took. I, I, and that was for four years. I went back to work, but I was on all this medication um and then i what the catalyst was 2016 um so 2014 i was going to canada i was sitting on the back of a 747 and i had a panic attack it was hot the plane was hot i hadn't slept very well i was on all that medicate and i i i I mean at the pilot practically rugby tackled me to stop me running off the plane (laughs) but i did get off the plane before it took off um and i realized this isn't working um and so I started more holistic. Um, I went to see a, 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 a doctor who was more into a sleep psychologist who started me on something called ACT, acceptance commitment mm-hmm. therapy. Um, and I started meditating and I started to exercise and eat diet, a good diet, um, have some fun every day. And I got rid of the sleeping pills at the telepram. And, I, and now I basically just take pregabalin as and when 
I don't know, it has attached the name center in my brain and it got on weight, but it, so I take it as and when I need it, always when I travel. So if I go to New York, I have to take it because I can't sleep when I'm traveling. And today, it, you know, my mental health is, it, as I've said to you, it's like a tiger. It, it, it is always there stalking me. Yeah. And providing I exercise, meditate, have some fun, don't work too hard, try to take leave. It stays away. But if I don't do those things and it caught me two years ago, I was in um, Northern Ireland doing a talk um, for some law firms and I pushed the boat out, you know, and I had not slept, hadn't exercised, I hadn't meditated. This was a big talk and I had a meltdown in a hotel room and Emma had to go and do the talk. She was lucky she was with me. I had an absolute meltdown, panic attack, screaming attack. And it was just... So I took a handful, I took so much begabbling, it knocked me unconscious for 12 hours. And um, and I woke and I felt okay. And I came back and I restarted the meditation, the sleep, the, all the practice, the diet, the exercise, and I'm back. But I have to be very careful because I say the tiger does come at night, as the song says, and it will swipe yeah. and it take, will, yeah. will knock me, knock me senseless. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. And again, um, some uh, love on the chat from Simone and hi, Jonathan. Uh, thank you for your kind words there um, about our, uh, our empathy. And, and I think there's, there's a lot uh, that has resonated for me there. But I think the one the one word I'd like to pull out and just focus on a second is fun. Right. Um, oh. Often we think our mental health and well-being is quite a heavy subject and we've got to work at it, which we have. Yeah. But actually, we've got to remember to have fun in everything we do, particularly if we're passionate about what we're doing um, and we're driven like you and I both are. But we've got to make space for play, haven't we? Yeah. And, and, and fun. There's a Star Trek film called Insurrection yeah. and there's a line where the kid says, you got to have a little fun every day. <laughs> and I always say that to Emma, it always makes a laugh. <laughs> yeah. and we always try to have some. And if we haven't had any fun, I just tickle her, I tickle her like mad on the set here before we go to bed, just so she laughs a lot. Yeah. We're very serious. She has a very serious job and she hasn't laughed all day. I just tickle her until she's begging me to stop and go, right, that's your fun for the day. <laughs> Brilliant. Are, are you a Star Trek fan, or was that just? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, right. Yeah, so we, we're going to we're going to segue then. Oh, we're going to we're going to we're going to segue. So, in your opinion, which is the, uh, the the best Star Trek captain? Oh, oh, I hate that question. No, it's, a, it's a big one. You see, you see. Oh, that's so hard. I mean, I I really like Picard yeah. because I used to look like Picard in the eighties. I was born. Did you really? And I, yeah, I'm, I was. That's how I look. I know what my friends thought I looked like yeah. him before i transition so i really like his style but oh i you know i like janeway you know she's fun she has 95 percent of the episode she's going in one direction and then changes her mind in the last five yeah. minutes um i love archer his we're really mad proud of enterprise and chef's gonna knock you up something <laughs> and we also, I, I really like his his american good old american you know all-time yeah. approach we're really proud of this shit um and cisco oh my goodness Cisco, you're very underrated as star trek captain oh my god yeah he's so brilliant um he's eccentric fun um and it's a little dark deep space nine is a little dark i like that um so you can't really i mean of course kirk's great you can't really not call pearl captain kirk and the new kirk chris pine oh so, so you're firmly sitting on the fence, Rachel. I need you to give. You know, you, you know I can see you. You, 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 you show, you're showing really good knowledge of listing out the Star Trek captains, but I'm not moving on until I, I get I get a favourite from you. Wow. Well, right now I'm educating Emma on on Star Trek. Yeah. So we've we've watched all the all the ten Star Trek films together. I mean, obviously Rafa Khan is brilliant, um, but uh, I really love that film. Um, but I, I, right now, I think I'd pick Jonathan Archer because I like the Enterprise. It's very municipal, drain pipe railings, and I really kind of like that because that's kind of how I, my life is. It's kind of that I like plugging things together. It's all a bit Heath Robinson there, Enterprise. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, that's probably surprised me as much as the parsnips, to be honest, Rachel. I, it, re- it really has. I wouldn't have expected you to say Archer. I mean, I get where you're coming from. Um, you know, for me, I'm a, I'm a strong Picard man. You know, I think, yeah, I, I think I, I've had a a, a, a yeah. really big debate on this with um, a, another fellow campaigner, a guy called Math Potts, who runs this amazing Ooh. social enterprise called Camarados. And he's a strong James Tiberius Kirkman. You know, he, uh, yeah. he he's a real advocate for Kirk. And, you know, Kirk. Kirk's a bit predictable for me. You know, it's a bit predictable. It's a bit last year. Yeah. I mean, he, 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 clearly, you know, the, the foundations of Star Trek. But the leadership yeah. skills of, of Picard, you know, the fact that yeah. he's... Um, you know, if you look at what the captains have gone on to to do next, you know, yeah. 
you know, you know, Picard, you know, very Shakespearean in terms of, you know, Patrick yeah. Stewart. So, you know, I thought... Did you like Picard? Yeah. The new, did you like Picard, the new series? I loved it. Yeah. Did you? Well, yeah. I, okay. yeah, no, I, I, I loved it. I mean, I think... Yeah, it's it's it was just great that it was he was back, right? Um, yeah. And so I was bound to love it. But I, I'm a big fan of Seven of Nine as well. I think she's cool. Yeah, yeah, that's, I'm very happy about that. And she, and she might be a lesbian, and I'm a lesbian, so that was all such really exciting Absolutely. for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's try and get back on on tack before we completely lose uh, that, our audience. <laughs> Although there's a lot of love for this on on the chat as well. Um, so um, thank you for sharing your your story. Um, we, we've touched on this, this sort of hostility and, and transphobia. Um, yeah. I, I guess, you know, it's an obvious question, really, but clearly for, you know, and generalising, which is dangerous to do for trans people generally, this 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 transphobia and hostility is going to have a, a detriment on, on, yes. on mental health. And it, it feels yeah. grossly unfair to me that, you know, your mental health can be negatively impacted by other people because of your identity and who you are. What are your perspectives on this and, and, and how do we make positive change around it? Well, I think the fact is that there's so many things, there's so many factors that, in, that are involved. Um, the, the change, I believe the change is, I mean, I think governments are really bad at this and governments come and go. So they're always on short term agendas, um, whereas corporate companies, I really believe are there forever. Corporates come, I say governments come and go, corporates are forever. We believe that corporate companies are the way to bring about change. And Global Advice, you, you know, we don't advertise. We put a lot of stuff on our media when we've done something, but never, no, we never, we don't beg for business. Yeah. We wait for companies to approach us because it's easier for us to work with them if they want to, to do the work. We're like a vampire model. We come across the threshold when they invite us. <laughs> and, and we do. Um, and so you're already pushing against an open door. Now, corporates have global offices they can advocate in other countries for lgbt rights um and they can influence governments they pay taxes they recruit people they can influence their people so that's why we work with corporate companies because i believe that you can, we can bring around the global change through that the hate in the uk although the government our government current government at best doesn't really care about trans people or lgbt people they've just disbanded the lgbt um, advisory panel um the corporates that we work with do very much care about LGBT plus people and they are right putting that into the systems and processes and they're saying if you don't care about diversity inclusion this isn't the company for you and I like that um it either makes people because if you're not diverse and inclusive well maybe you'll you might become a better person because all the companies around you are um and maybe you'll have to change your views on on life and so I think that companies are very powerful I think allies are super important. We train allies. I love allies. Allies right now are standing in front of the trans community and battling for us because we're battered and tired. So that's really, really important. So I believe you bring change through companies are probably the best way of doing that. We can't do it through the media. The newspapers don't like trans people. The broadcast media certainly isn't sending positive images at the moment. So we do it through companies and that's the platform that we use um, to, to, to send the message out. And that helps I mean, my personal mental health journey, it helps me to know, although I'm powerless with the UK media and newspapers and government, um, I have some ability to bring about change with, with the corporate companies that we work with. And Emma and I are both trustees of other LGBT organisations. So that's how we bring the balance back in um, and, and hopefully manage that. But I mean, the, the trans, the other way to help trans and non-binary people is obviously we need better NHS, the waiting list for the um, gender identity clinics is, you know, can be four years for your first appointment. Yeah. Right? So you're waiting four years and then three years, maybe through that process, training for GPs. Um, we need better mental health services. Obviously they're not very well funded in the UK. We need much better. Um, we, but with the, I think the government needs to be better. I think we need better, better hate, hate crime protections. I think this, this, this absolute free speech that some the government pushes, which allows hate speech needs to be looked at. I think there's a lot of issues that would help the trans and binary community. Will help all of us actually um, for Black Lives Matter, mm -hmm. for neurodiversity, all the things that actually some people can be pretty terrible about online. Yeah, I mean, again, just choosing which direction to go down. Uh, <laughs> Sorry uh, about that. You did ask. It's, it's 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 really interesting. <laughs> I mean, I, I uh, yeah. on this show I interviewed Shireen Daniels, who's one of the UK's leading anti-racism campaigners in in Ooh. business. 
and again the the, the hate that she receives um, mm. for campaigning uh, for, uh, against racism is is incredible. And I guess you you, you must get get a you know, a similar experience. We do. We've been attacked on social media. We had our file servers hacked. We've had, we get hate mail for our website. We get. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Um, when we go into events, there are a couple of organisations that trail us and try and get invites into the events so they can sabotage them. Um, so it, it is constant. I think you're opening my eyes to, yeah, you know, how difficult you, you know your work as a campaigner is, um, and I've got utmost admiration for for what you and others are doing in this space i mean me as a mental health campaigner i'm generally loved for what i do um because yeah. I'm, I'm striking a chord that e even even the skeptics can can start to understand because of the pandemic that yeah. they've, they've got mental health and they will struggle with their mental health yeah. so I, I might get challenged a little bit from time to time which is fine but i don't get hate um mm. and and so where do you find the energy you, you mentioned that the trans community is battered and, and, and yeah. you know, need of allies, and I'm keen to understand what makes a good ally, but where do you find the energy personally to, to keep dealing with this mountain you've got to overcome, this mountain of negativity and hate? So, I mean, I, I, right now it, it feels like, um, it's a bit like a photocopy. Each time I make you make a photocopy of me, it gets a little bit duller. Yeah. And, right now you know when i before we went to lockdown you know i was the, the transphobia wasn't as bad it was there but it wasn't as bad we had a year of lockdown you know emma's emma and my wedding's been delayed a couple of times we you know my father's got dementia my mum died a year and a half ago and it, all this stuff happened and it, i will take a rest i'll do the things i've told you about and then i'll come back and do some more activism and i'll push really hard on something and then there'll be a pushback on something yeah. and then a new copy will come out and i'll re and then i'll go and do that one and i'll fight and then i'll come back and a new copy and each one is getting light slightly so i don't think that i'm getting stronger or better i think my my mental health is slowly decline is declining it feels like i'm getting weaker it feels like i am more emotional it feels like i'm getting more angry and it feels like i'm sleeping less now you know, Emma is a really good monitor. I would say she was a mental health first aider and a, an ally. And she she will pull the phone out of my hand when I'm doom scrolling or I'm getting into something yeah. with some with, with an anti-trans activist. Um, and I think that, um, you know, we're taking a week next week. I really need that week so badly. I've been really hard with clients who've been pushing really hard for dates next week. And I've said, I can't give them to you. I'm, we yeah. are backing down. I just think that coming out of lockdown, more, more, a lot rest, getting married, all those things will hopefully regenerate. But I do feel like I'm a, I'm a fading copy. I, I'm fighting because you have to fight. If we don't do this, the trans community isn't very collaborative in the because we're battered. And I would say, if we've got our hands over our face, how can we reach out to each other? Yeah. And we are not, you know, we're all, the hate in the UK is organised very much organized they've all got one goal trans community is splintered we're not working with one voice we don't have have a voice in the press um in the media so we fight because we have to fight because our very existence but you've seen what happened in america if you eliminate gender you eliminate the trans community and we'll be gone so we are fighting it doesn't i know this is united kingdom in the 21st century but we are fighting for our very existence so we have to but it is taking its toll on all of us. Yeah. And you only have to go onto trans forums or trans social media and read somebody's profile and just see what they're going through. They're all going through the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I, this just is just creating a level of sadness in me that um, you know I haven't really experienced before. And it, it's just that a sadness that the world is not how it should be. Um, yeah. and, and a sadness that you feel that you know that 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 copies is 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 fading slowly over time i'd like to put a different image in there um and um that is it parsnips yeah, yeah parsnips are good you know i mean par <laughs> you know parsnips will give us a boost wherever at rachel so we could always think of that you know that nice buttery caramelized parsnip that can get us going <laughs> now the image i'd like to put in there is is next week rather than um thinking you will come back um is you know with 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 copies as they are or maybe still fading is actually next week allows you to change the toner in the photocopier yeah. so actually yeah. you are back not not to where you were before but you've got a fresh renewed yes. toner and renewed energy 
And I think that's that's how we've got to do it, right? We've we've got to be strategic in managing our reserves. And for for yeah. scores about this, it's about giving yourself the self awareness of when you might need to do that. And I'm loving your ability to say no to clients, to paid work, to yes. actually give yourself the benefit of that renewed toner yeah. in the photocopier. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I know it's, I, I don't putting it into confrontational terms, but it, it is a bit like being taken off the front for a week. Um, we're just going back. We're going back. To, we're going to Paris to party before we go back to the front. That's how it feels. Yeah. And it, that's how I, I'll see it. You know, I will rest. I'll get R and R. We'll do lots of very nourishing things, and then I'll be back in the battle a week later. Yeah. You know, carrying on with the activism. Yeah. That's how it. Yeah. Well, no, good, good for you. And I think it's important that you um, you do recharge because your 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 battle is a big one, and it's an important one and a very necessary one. Um, Thank you. Look, I, I I like to think of hope, um, um, particularly when we're looking to make positive change. What what is your yes. hope for the next twelve months? That's a good one. Um, so I think that uh, let the things I hope will happen, I don't think they will happen, is the UK bans conversion therapy. They keep saying they're going to. I don't think they will. Um, the Women and Equalities Committee has done a review of trans people in the United Kingdom. They've taken a lot of negative evidence instead of positive evidence. Um, but I'm hoping they'll report positively about what should happen for the care and, and trans and non-binary people's prescription through paperwork, uh, healthcare, that kind of thing. I think I would hope that sporting bodies would stop banning trans children from taking part in sport. I think that's really unkind. I'm hoping that the realisation that they just um, stop trying to get elected on hate and actually just let children do sport. Yeah. I think that is another thing I'd really, really like. Um, I think the I really love it if the Equality Act passes in the United States. I think that would be fantastic. Um, I think that would be, um, and I think all these all these horrible hate bills in the hillbilly states in America against trans children are, are repulsive um i think the you've got to have real hate in your heart to just decide that you don't want a four-year-old to take part in sport or be allowed to play with their friends at school yeah. um and allowing people to report transgender people using a loo and making it a crime i mean it's hideous and i hope that biden said he may even look at outlawing all those yeah. all those hideous laws in the hillbilly states and i hope they do i hope he does do that yeah absolutely well, they're, they're, they're good hopes and, and on the subject of sports yeah. i know you've made as a cyclist you've made mm -hmm. me aware of the the consultation british yes. cycling uh, are doing can you talk us through that a little bit about and the, the problems you see as to how they're going about that yeah so thank you for asking that question i think that the without people looking at the science um they've just decided that well, if I was, you know, if I, 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 you know, I've played tennis, when I transition, I'm a worse tennis player than I was before, because I'm on estrogen and, and it, it, it affects your muscle tones and all that kind of stuff. The fact is that we're, it's never really about trans, there has been cases of trans guys, um, they're not talking really about non-binary in sport yet, they're just, it's all hideously against trans women generally. And my view is that, you know, the we, trans women aren't winning anything. I mean, the... <laughs> You know, I, I always make a joke during the training. I won Wimbledon last year. It really upset everybody. Um, <laughs> but it, trans women aren't winning. I mean, you know, Rennie Richards, I remember the tennis player in the, you know, the 70s was booed when she went onto the courts because she was, you know, she's a successful transition. But the fact is that um, you don't, you may have been living in male expression and you might have some bone density. You might have a massive... But the fact is, when you're suddenly taking, if, if, if you are taking estrogen, because not everybody does, but you, that affects you, your whole, you don't have an advantage that these advantages that people would say. And I think the sporting bodies, I think each sport needs to look at it logically um, and take evidence from trans people and scientists and not anti-trans groups. And I would be happy if, if, doc med, if, if you know, people who have analysed this and made reports, the trans community, trans activists, trans sports people were actually spoken to in consultations. Don't allow anti-trans groups to come in because they're just going to come in very organised and give you bad science. Yeah. And that's what's happening. Every sporting body takes bad science, goes in. So trans women can't play international rugby. And that, that seems terrible um they suddenly were whereas the uk rugby union i think they can so i think the fact is that each sporting body is looking at it but look think about who you're talking to think about the evidence you take evidence from you know um the women in equalities committee you know looking at trans people in the uk took some evidence of some hideous people some who said they spoke for the trans community and they certainly didn't um and i think you just need to do a little bit of research 
as as a sporting body about who are you getting this evidence for and what is the reason they're giving you that evidence is it you know is it because trans women are going to give women an unfair advantage no i don't think that's i don't think that's true um we i'm happy to be subject to some rules that allow me to play eventually but don't ban me um and i think the fact is this other thing about safety about trans women in changing rooms and all this kind of stuff is absolute rubbish because that's to say that you're saying that trans women aren't women and that's really hateful and hideous as well it's just the way that it's framed and i think e-sporting body needs to just do a bit of gen about when we take evidence from this group who is this group let's go and look at some of their social media i tell allies this if you look at the social media of some of these anti-trans groups you wouldn't you wouldn't have them in your country let alone coming into the build your building to give evidence yeah, I, I think that's right and it, it the the bit again that's, that's worrying and resonating with me is the level of organization in the anti-trans yeah. movement um yeah. which um, I don't understand and I don't profess to understand but thank you for sharing that and I think you know that looking at what is fair and taking a scientific view seems to be a, a much more sensible approach um, to me. Um, so one, one final question for you um, and we like to sort of gather a well-being nugget so what is your one bit of well-being wisdom um, that you would share with others um, that your top tip for managing your well-being? uh well for me it's very easy i mean i would say star trek because it always <laughs> been a good thing. it does you know lots of people working together on a common goal i mean what can be better than that that's not where we live now but that's the that's perfect but uh for me it is i know it sounds crass but i go outside and i go for a walk you it always puts perspective back in for me um and i'll keep walking until that perspective's there so it might be a long walk sometimes <laughs> But Emma and I try to walk every day, uh, even if Emma's got a hundred, you know, Emma does this terribly busy job, 12 hours a day on the phone. And I try and drag her out, even if we have to walk to the end of the driveway and back, just to clear our heads. Um, but I think, you know, I just walk until, you know, the, the building with this PC and all my business and the activism and the, and the nastiness on, I walk till that is a distant, I've got distance between yeah. me and it. Um, I love it. I love it. Go out, go out for a walk to get perspective. It's free. It's easy to do. We just need to be yeah. have the self discipline to do it. Rachel, yeah. thank you. I could talk to you for hours. It's been a, a thoroughly enjoyable conversation. Thank you for sharing your story, your perspectives, and and your love of parsnips or your love hate with parsnips. Amazing. <laughs> so uh, next up uh, next week we've got uh, Craig Fenton, who is director of strategy and operations of Google for UK, uh, I and Southern Europe, and we're going to hear about what Craig's doing in his well-being uh, responsibilities within Google. So that should be an interesting discussion. This is the form guide, inspiring conversations about our mental health and our well-being. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you.